Lord, we love your word. Lord, help us to have ears to hear. And then go for what you ask us to do, Lord. Amen. So for the first two months of this year, we've been looking at this series, I Met Jesus, and we looked at all kinds of people. Some were older, some were younger, some were groups of people, some in the Old Testament, some in the New Testament. And then in April and May, we'll be thinking about how important it is to remember what God has done in our lives and to celebrate what God has done in our lives as well. To help us to do that, we're going to be looking at lots of Jewish festivals uh, to think about what they were doing to remember and to celebrate what God did in their lives as well. In March, though, we've got four separate themes. One today, Andy next week, and then two more things uh, on the last two weeks of the March as well. I said earlier that today is a really important Sunday because it's Partnership Sunday. And our present constitution says we need to say we want to be partners or associates every two years. It's a great thing to say, I want to be a partner. Because what you're saying is, yeah, I want to get involved with what God is doing. I want to listen to God and then obey. But it's so much more than just filling in a form. This is what we're thinking about today. Listen and then give. And just as all those people seem to be working, although it looks like they're having uh, a lunch break or something, but they're doing things in different ways. They, you can see they're different characters and they've sort of probably got different jobs by the looks of them as well. I can see that's exactly how you are as well. We're all doing different things for God, but we all want to say, yes, Lord, I'm in the construction business. I want to do things that construct your kingdom. Of course, health and safety, <laughs> there's no one there doing health and safety. I just looked at it and thought, that's not someone's gift just there. So uh, Bridget read these for us. And if you want to think about the widow and her might, then you can also not just think about Mark 12, but also Luke 21, because the story is there as well. So the question we're asking ourselves today is, what is partnership and what does it all involve for me and for you? As individuals, what does it mean? So I want to explore that, to start with at least, with a few family photos. They're not for my holiday, so I'm not going to bore you or anything like that, because has that ever happened to you? That you just smile and you think, oh yeah, that's very nice, that's very nice. But these are older family photos, so hopefully you'll sort of uh, think, oh yeah, that's good. So I want to talk to you about my granddad for a couple of minutes. So my granddad was unlike me because he was really good at football. In fact, this is him in 1909, right in the centre. And I've got a big photo of him, 1909, and several photos with the Tamworth Castle football team. Yeah, they were big in Tamworth, I can tell you. Yeah, and so uh, he's the captain. So, of course... That's him just there, right in the centre. He was a captain. Wow. Nothing like me at all. I don't have gifts like that. But I think about him, and I think, wow, he would have been really good at inspiring his team. All these other people that are there, sort of, come on, and you can do it. 
I've even read some of his speeches, because at that time, they published speeches from captains of football teams in the local newspaper, word for word, what he said. So I know exactly after some important matches what my granddad said in 1909, 1910, 1911, because the newspaper reported it word for word. I can imagine some of the training sessions where he'd be whipping them up into a frenzy. Come on, you can do it. We're a team. We're a team, he'd be saying. And so he'd be encouraging the people on the team to come to training and to do their best. I've read all this in his speeches. But there are also other people wearing these hats, look. I reckon my granddad wasn't the chap in charge. There'd have been a manager, a coach, maybe some people who were spending money to make the team work. He'd have not just been above people, he'd have been under people as well in the team. So he was given orders in a way, and yet also he was taking orders. He was sort of a great partnership person because he was in the middle, really. Of course, the war came along, and so he joined up. I've got several photos of him during the First World War. Here's one. And he joined the Royal Engineers Signals. So this is November 1915 now. And so he got his training in Surrey, a barracks in there. And he went to France to fight in the war uh, in November 1915. And so after a while, he became an acting corporal. Yeah, but for most of the initial time he was there, he'd have just been a private, taking orders from people above him, doing what he was told, but still being a team player. He's at the top in the middle. That's my granddad. So that was his uh, section. Also, I've got a really large photo of my granddad, same sort of place, same sort of date, before he went to the war, and he's one of them. That was his company. I don't know exactly what he did, because his military service record has been destroyed in the Second World War. But I do know he was mentioned in dispatches at least twice, because I've got the citations about it. I'm so proud of him. Never, well, I did meet him, but only for a few months, because he died when I was just a few months old, so I have no recollection of him. But I know... He was a team player, taking orders from other people, giving orders to other people. He was, a par- he was into partnership. That was really obvious. Do you recognise anyone? This is a few of us three years ago. Not everyone wanted to be on the photo, so not everyone was there. Some people couldn't make it that Sunday, so they're not there. And, of course, there's other people that have joined us since then that aren't on the photo as well. We've all got great gifts. God wants you to do something wonderful for him because he's given you something wonderful both in your character and in your abilities. We probably do different things during the week, don't we? Eat differently, different sorts of meals, different times of the day, maybe drink differently, watch television differently if we watch television or read different books or newspapers. But the brilliant thing is, we're still one body. From the oldest person in the room, I'm looking at her, I think, but it might be Margaret, but definitely 
the youngest person in the room has just left. <laughs> but we know from the oldest person to the youngest, we're one body. We're one family. And God has called us all to listen to what he wants us to do because he's our commander-in-chief. Just like my granddad had uh, sort of officers above him, majors, colonels, brigadiers, uh, General Haig, and all these sort of people. And he was just an ordinary soldier, really. So we all have family connections together. Last week, we looked at a Greek word. Here it is, dioko. And it's from Philippians 3, verse 14. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And if you remember, this Greek word, we were talking about it last week, and we've talked about it before, isn't just, yeah, I'm pressing on. Can you see how I'm pressing on? It's not like that, is it? Pressing on to know and reach the end of the race. It's just like we were talking about a lion and a lioness running and trying to get their prey. Because we know if those animals at the top of the food chain don't try and press on and go for getting their animals, no one's going to bring it for them. They have to press on themselves and make sure that they have a meal for themselves and for their family. We've got to actively follow Jesus in the same way, just like a lion or a lioness gets their food. It's great if on a Sunday morning we're fed, or on a Monday evening, or a Thursday afternoon, if we're fed. But we've got to make sure that we're following God and pressing on, not just here, when it's easier, but day by day, every day, we need to be saying, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to read the Bible. I want to pray. I want to fellowship with other people. Stopping coming to church is a dangerous thing. We need each other. We're not just partnering with God. We're partnering with each other as we're saying, yes, I want to be a partner here. God is definitely calling us to love him sincerely and with gusto. Love the Lord your God, first of all. But also, God is calling us to make it a habit to build people up and not to discourage other people. So I've made a list of different things that maybe you might get involved in at church. A lot of you, you do already. Here's a few. Maybe you could read scriptures. Thank you, Bridget, and other people as well. You could lead our intercessions. You could pray out loud. You could give in finance. You could encourage someone. Maybe you could welcome people, serve tea or coffee. You could do the cleaning, putting out the chairs, sitting near the front. Oh, that would be excellent if you wanted to do that. Because that's room for the back for people that want to come in. Oh, I've mentioned that before. Is that why you're laughing? But the thing is, isn't it wonderful that there's so many things together we can do as a church here? And of course, some people need to sit at the back if they've got to go or they came in late or they've been doing teas and coffees and all that. I totally understand that. As we meet together as a church, we could do those things and plenty more other things as well. If we're on, in the church on our own, because we are the church, we could do these sort of things during the week. We could write an encouraging letter, text or an email. We could create a cake. I would really encourage lots of people to do that. 
we could ring someone up for no special reason. Do you know, a few months ago, when it was lockdown, someone from the church rang me up. And he was just saying, how are you doing? Is everything all right? Do you know how much greatness and, and loveliness I felt because of that person just ringing me up? This person didn't want to say, oh, uh, you made a mistake on Sunday, you said this, and surely you meant that. Or, oh, can you pray for me because of this? And that's perfectly fine if you want to ring me up and mention all those things. But this person was just asking me, how are you doing? I want to pray for you. I have been praying for you. And that made me feel great. So maybe that's something else you might want to do. Just bring someone up. It's wonderful. Uh, going around to sit with someone. Sending a card. Going shopping with someone. Cooking a meal. Welcoming a stranger. Teaching someone a new skill. Secret Santa. All of these are different things that we can do to encourage other people. Because we are the church on a Sunday. But we are the church every day of the week. And we can make a difference, shine God's light wherever we are. In fact, there's so many things that I thought of. There wasn't room or space to put them on one slide. And I'm perfectly certain that a lot of you are doing some of those things, but are doing loads of other things as well to encourage, to bless, and to make sure that people are feeling better about life. You are making a difference in people's lives. There's one scripture that I think sums all this up. It's from Micah uh, chapter 6, verse 8. Do what is right to other people. Love being kind to others. And live humbly, trusting your God. And that's from the International Children's Bible. Sometimes I've thought in the past, I'm being honest, that I, whatever I do is just a bit insignificant for God. There's lots of people around the world doing bigger things, and you think, oh yeah, my little tuppence worth. I don't know if do you ever feel the same. Can I encourage you? Sometimes when I think about that, I think about different people in the Bible that did amazing things for God. I think of Gideon sometimes, and when someone talked to me about Gideon, it was at Mission England in 1984, someone was telling me about Gideon, and they said this, Gideon is a brilliant person, because if you take the letters of his name, it spells like an acrostic, God is dependent entirely on nobodies. And I thought, wow, thank you, Lord. In my feeling of insignificance, now and again, God is dependent entirely on nobodies. Gideon. Let's quickly look at a few other people. Think about Ananias. He was a Christian, a follower of Jesus in Damascus. Obviously, he knew the Lord well because he heard his voice and recognized his voice. One day, you know the story probably, Ananias heard God saying, go and pray for that chap. He's on Straight Street or wherever it is, I can't remember now. But this chap called Saul, he's such a blessing. I want him to be blessed by you. What would have been your reaction? We know what Saul was like at the time. A persecutor. Someone you'd keep away from. And yet Ananias, this chap who we don't really hear anything about again, went and prayed for Saul, who became Paul, 
And instead of being blind, the scales fell off his eyes because Ananias heard God and did something very small, but it wasn't insignificant. It was so important. Mordecai and Esther. Remember, Esther was the queen and uh, she was married to King Xerxes and there was terrible times happening. Mordecai was encouraging her. Listen to God. Do what God says. Because I've heard God say, if you are going to just not speak out for God, perhaps things are going to be pretty terrible. Maybe it's for such a time as this that you've come to this position. Mordecai said just a few words. And yet, when, he, when Esther heard that message, she did something and it made such a difference. That's in the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 14. Do you remember the two blokes holding up Moses' arms? Have you ever heard of such an insignificant thing to do? Someone just holding up arms. But it wasn't. Aaron was Moses' brother. So you can imagine they'd sort of uh, be close to each other. We don't quite know who her was. We know it was from the tribe of Judah. Some people think... He was Miriam, who was the sister of Aaron and Moses. He was either her husband or her son. Some people say other things, but that's one sort of connection that they have. We know he was a significant man. And so on one side, we had Aaron holding up Moses' arms. On the other, we had her. They were important. All they were doing was holding up Moses' arms. But what they did was significant because it made the Israelites win the battle. How about Timothy and his mom and his grandma? Do you know, I knew their names. And when you sort of think about it, oh, there they are. Eunice was his mom and Lois was his grandma. How important are older people in your family? Like when you were growing up, people that prayed for you perhaps or told you Bible stories, or sang songs, or just taught you how to be a good person. So significant. It's still true. His mom and grandma did a great job. And our relationship, whether it's through family, like sort of children, grandchildren, or through friends, we can make a significant difference by saying godly things to children and young people, And living our lives is a great example for them as well. We can do significant things just by being ourselves. And the children and the young people will look at our lives and say, ah, that's what I should be doing in my life, just by you setting an example. How about this final one, Nathan and King David? Nathan was a prophet in King David's court. And one day he heard God say something about what David had been doing. You might remember the story how David had slept with this lady called Bathsheba and then got Uriah the Hittite, her husband, killed. This chap, Nathan, knew all about it because God had told him. I wonder what it was like for him, thinking, God's told me this and I've got to go to the king. No, I won't say that. It's, It's not very important. It's not significant. But God said, go and say this to the king. 
Maybe he was even scared of his life that he knew this was a, a challenging word to give. And yet he did. And David's heart was changed. We got Psalm 51, haven't we, because of that. The important thing is, Nathan gave the message that God gave him. I bet God gives you messages as well to give to people. Maybe only just sort of, not sort of the Lord says kind of messages, but just smiling at people, helping people, saying the right thing, godly things to people. That's all important. That's all significant that we can do for God and with God. You remember Bridget read the story about the lady. Here it is in the uh, uh, Philip's New Testament. Then Jesus sat down opposite the temple alms box and watched the people putting their money into it. A great many rich people put in large sums. Then a poor widow came up and dropped in two little coins worth together about half a penny. Jesus called his disciples to his side and said to them, Believe me, this poor widow has put in more than all the others, for they have all put in whatever they can easily afford. But she in her poverty, who needs so much, has given away everything, her whole living. So the rich men could easily afford perisio, surplus, abundance. They had loads of money. They had it coming out of their ears or coming out of their toga, whatever they were wearing. Do you know what I mean? They had loads of things. And they gave a lot, but it didn't really make much of a dent in their bank balance or whatever they might have had at the time. The lady who gave away everything, the Greek word is telling us she had a need. And yet out of that need, she gave a lot. Isn't that beautiful? That we, even if we feel insignificant about what we're doing, our abilities, our character, we too can say, Lord, you're calling me to give my two coins. It doesn't say might in the Greek. That's kind of a, a sort of a popular term that, was a, that uh, people knew about in the early 17th century when the King James Version was being translated. So that's why people say, oh, the widow's might. But instead, it doesn't matter what you call it, it's saying, whatever I've got, Lord, whether it's a lot or a little, I want to give of myself. There's another uh, Greek word that we can sort of think about as well, and that's this koinonia or kononia, and that's in Philippians 1.5. And that's saying, yes, we're a partnership because all our gifts are a wide spectrum on the colour charts. We do things at the front like doing this. We do things that other people just don't see. Like I was mentioned about things during the week, gifts that you have and do and use that most of us don't see are being significantly used by God because you're being a blessing to other people. We're sharing in this partnership with each other. We're making sure that we're helping others. We're making a significant contribution to other people. This Greek word then, koinonia or koinonia, it suggests that something is going on. We're doing something practical with other people. Action is being taken. It's giving as well as receiving. It's a cooperation of things being done by a few people 
so that a task is accomplished. We can see a big task in the Neaton. And when we, like we've said already today, look at, around us and see the Ukraine and Russia and all those refugees, it's easy to say, oh, Lord, that is such a big task. But all we need to say is, Lord, will you change my mind? Will you help me in this task? I'm going to read a poem. I love poetry. And it will get you thinking, hopefully. Refugees. They have no need of our help. So do not tell me these haggard faces could belong to you or me, should life have dealt a different hand. We need to see them for who they really are, chancers and scroungers, layabouts and loungers, with bombs up their sleeves, cutthroats. They are not welcome here. We should make them go back to where they came from. They cannot share our food, share our homes, share our countries. Instead, let us build a wall to keep them out. It is not okay to say these people are just like us. A place should only belong to those who are born there. Do not be so stupid to think that world can be looked at another way. Let me read it again. The world can be looked at another way. Do not be so stupid to think that a place should only belong to those who are born there. These are people just like us. It is not okay to say build a wall to keep them out. Instead, let us share our countries, share our homes, share our food. They cannot go back to where they came from. We should make them welcome here. They are not cutthroats with bombs up their sleeves, layabouts and loungers, chancers and scroungers. We need to see them for who they really are. Should life have dealt a different hand, These haggard faces could belong to you or me. So do not tell me they need no help, no need of our help. Lord, will you change our minds? Not just for the refugees, but for the people in the Neaton. Lord, will you help us to work in partnership with you? You're doing things already in the Neaton. Wherever we go, the Lord is working. Will you change my mind? Will you help me to see things your way? A topsy-turvy way, you might say. Reading it one way, then reading it another way. People need our help. And we are significant in our gifts, in our character. And God is calling us to make a difference. Lord, Open our eyes and our hearts to what is going on around us, whatever the distance might be. And so we could fill in a form today. And many have, you have done already, and so I'll, I'll, sort of, uh, ask, I'll give you some of them later if you haven't got one and you want to say, yeah, I want NCF to be my spiritual home, I want to join in with what's going on here. But the thing is, it's easy to fill in a form, isn't it? But God wants us to take action. Remember koinonia, koinonia, to take part, to share, to do things for God. Not to keep ourselves to ourselves. Not to make it an easy life, just because we want an easy life. But to make it beautiful and helpful for other people as well.
we're going to take communion in a little while. God got involved with humanity. God wants us to get involved with humanity as well. Many of you, like me, read through the Bible most years, and I've just been finishing reading Leviticus. Loads of sacrifices. It's ever so interesting. I love reading it. But it's loads of sacrifices for people's sins, animal sacrifices. And there's blood all over the place. It's very different now since Jesus came. The thing is this. Jesus is calling us to be the sacrifice. Paul wrote to the church in, uh, in Rome, and he said this, chapter 12 of Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. So that's Romans 12, 1 and 2 from the Amplified Bible. God has been good to us and we need to respond to him. And that can be in any of the ways that we mentioned earlier and, of course, many other ways that I didn't mention earlier. God is creative and he wants to use us in ways that we can't even imagine at the moment. Two points just to finish. As partners with God, let's intentionally live our lives dedicated to God. As partners with God and with each other, let us listen and, and let us listen and then give, partnering together with what God is already doing. So today is a challenge. That's what partnership is about. It's not saying, Lord, help me to have an easy life. And it would be different times in different circumstances, different seasons. We all have extra energy or more time or more sort of things that we can do. Sometimes in the season in our lives that we're in, it's more difficult to do these things. But God is calling everyone to do something for him, something important because we're all part of God's body. We're all made in his image to do things for him. So I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to worship a little bit. We'll take communion as well. And we're just thinking, yes, Lord, help me to partner with you, maybe at NCF. But Lord, wherever you take me around the world, help me to partner with whatever you're doing and with other Christians there, so that your kingdom is extended and you're glorified in my life. So, Lord, yes, thank you. Thank you that we can partner with you. You don't want to just do everything that yourself. 
but you say, come and join me. Lord, today I want to say, yes, Lord, I want to take you by your hand and, and wear that yoke and say, Lord, I'm coming to join you, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, Lord. Thank you for the significant plans you have for me. Thank you for the significant plans you have for everyone here today and perhaps listening at home in the next few days. Lord, whatever you want us to do, we want to be open and ready, saying, Lord, you are with us. I'll do whatever you say. Amen.